Welcome back to the Clean Stage Podcast. I'm Angela Lucier. I am your host. I'm also an author, speaker, and CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood. So excited to be back today for our final episode of our five-part series going into the world of the Speaker Sisterhood, where you got to hear speeches from our members in the clubs sharing their secrets, sharing their stories, sharing their beliefs, their vision, their passion, and just going all in. Like I have to say, you guys, I'm so impressed every single time I attend a speaker sisterhood meeting because the women there are just so courageous and amazing. And it makes me proud to be a woman every single time. And today's episode is no different. I am featuring two of the members who are just, are no, they're just amazing. <laughs> like every single one. I'm just like, oh, I love you. I love you too. I love you. Sandra Costello and Beth Ann Dezignac are on the episode today sharing stories about their journeys, their passions, and what they're learning about themselves. And their speeches are very different, but they, they're similar in, in, um, in the way that they, share a personal touch that gives you a showcase into who they are. So I won't, I won't ruin it for you. I will leave you to listen to the rest of the episode. And I have to say, be sure to stick around for Beth Ann's speech after Sandra's, as I believe you will be surprised. (laughs) would love to hear feedback on this episode and this whole series. You can email me anytime at Angela at speakersisterhood.com. And without further ado, my interviews and speeches with Sandra and Bevan. What's your name? My name is Sandra Costello. And how old are you? Really? (laughs) When I wrote this question, it didn't seem weird, but now I'm feeling like maybe it's weird. No, it's not weird. I am 47. (laughs) How long have you been a member of the Speaker Sisterhood? It has been uh, almost a year and a half. Yeah. How many speeches have you given? Oh, wow. That's a good question. I think I've given at least 10. Yeah. And if you want to count the ones that I do at the end of the meeting, the impromptu ones, then more. Yeah, like 20. Yeah, it could be 20. Yeah. Which speech are you doing in the curriculum tonight? Tonight I'm in section two, and I'm doing the first in that section, and it is about uh, finding your passion and growing your awareness. And it is the first of those two. And I think there's a more specific, I think it's just about passion. Yeah. Yeah. It's a passion speech. What's the subject of your speech? Parties <laughs> and people. <laughs> so that's right on target. <laughs> Have you talked about this subject before? Not not this subject specifically. I believe I've talked a little bit about people, but not uh, not with as much as enthu- not as much enthusiasm as I will talk about tonight. So why did you choose this topic? I did the exercise in the book, and I started to think about like what my passion is, and I realized that my passion is people. And parties, going to parties and creating that kind of atmosphere are the things that make me really come alive. And I thought that would be really fun to talk about. Yeah. And 
how are you feeling right now? Right before your speech. I am so excited. I can't tell you. I love giving speeches. And even when I started putting this together, I was like doing a little people dance around the house, you know, for my speech. Cause I love, I love doing this. And do I get nervous? Yes, I absolutely do. But for the most part, I love everything about it. Has that grown over the last year and a half or has that been there all along? I think it's always been there. Some speeches are really tough, a tough subject matter if I'm really going deep. And sometimes I'm not ready to talk about those topics. And that's when I get really nervous about giving those speeches. But when I am ready to dive in deep, then I get totally excited like this. (laughs) What does it feel like in your body right now? It's like I'm having a party. (laughs) (laughs) Like your people are about to show up and you're about to, or are you at the party? (laughs) I'm at the party. I'm in it. Um, I am giving out my business card and I am dancing. (laughs) (laughs) Why did you decide to sign up for the Speaker Sisterhood? I, I can't. I can't totally, I think in the beginning I couldn't totally put my finger on why I decided to do it. But once I signed up and started giving speeches, I realized that it was always in me and it was just ready to come out at that time. And the thing I'm talking about is this idea of finding my voice and engaging with people in a way that is very different from just a one-on-one conversation. Hmm. And in one word, what does it mean to you to claim the stage? The word engagement comes to mind and it it doesn't feel strong enough to really uh, describe how I feel. Perhaps electricity is a better word, but when I am able to connect with folks in my audience, whether it's a big or small audience, I feel so alive. So there's this real electricity that that happens. So it's a lot, it's a lot of different words. Yeah, I guess guess it's more than one, (laughs) right? It's a salad of words. Well, I'm excited for you. It's been really fun watching you give speeches in the club. And I love just experiencing your journey with you because it's like you invite everybody in, you know. So this is another way that you're inviting people into it is through the podcast. So thanks for being part of it. Thank you. This is, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for the party. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I need a second. (laughs) <laughs> Actually, I should do this um, this thing that we used to do for my brother. It's this uh, whole thing called come to the party. It's just like a little walk. It's kind of, it's kind of perfect for what I'm going to talk about. <clears throat> okay. Um, what kind of feedback would you like? I want to know if you can relate to what I'm talking about. I want to know if you can feel the joy and if you have any additional feedback for me in terms of organization, I don't know, you know, like whatever you want to give me, I'll take it. Um, And I I think one of the things that I'm really going to try to do as I give this speech is really kind of sit with it, you know, like not rush through it. Which speech are you giving? I am giving, I'm in section two of the book, and I am giving a speech around 
finding your passion and growing an awareness. And my speech is called The Magic of a Garage Dance Party. People are my passion. That has always been true. My mom used to tell the story when, when I was younger and when I got older about how when I was little, I used to invite people over for dinner. But not just anyone, strangers. We'd be at the grocery store and we'd meet people and I'd apparently invite them over for dinner. And she told me this started at about age five and it stopped... Uh, never. Yeah, it still happens. You know, I really enjoy having people to my home for dinner. One of my favorite ways to enjoy this passion is through parties. Whether you invite me to one or I throw one. So this past fall, Brett and I decided to have a house party. And it was really based on my love for Yacht Rock. If you don't know what that is, it is music that was from the 70s and usually played when you're on a boat sipping a cocktail. And a friend of mine introduced me to it, and all of a sudden I fell deeply in love with Yacht Rock. I played it all day long, every day. And it made me so happy I wanted to have a party. So we had a party. And the way that we began the process of planning this party was based on the cafe system. And if you don't know what that is, it's because I made it up. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing we thought about was connection. Who did we want to be there? We really wanted people that we loved spending time with and getting to know and thought they would want to get to know each other. So we created this guest list out of no obligation and all of our favorite people were there or tried to come. Second, atmosphere. And that got divvied up a little bit. Brett loves to cook. I do not. I like to eat. So she created a spectacular menu, including grilled cheese croutons for the soup. Unbelievable. Yeah. I took care of decor, so I hung up little bistro lights and little lanterns and things like that to make it feel festive. Next, fun. I like every party to have a little bit of fun in there. And the best way to make that happen is with some kind of activity to get people engaged with, you, with each other. So because we had yacht rock music, people were dancing, and that was awesome. And then the second thing, which connected with the menu, was uh, we had a fire pit in the driveway for s'mores, and that was a huge hit. Thank you, Brett. Last thing of the planning is expectations. While I love spending time with people, oftentimes planning a party can be a little stressful for me, and that's because I put so much pressure on myself. So with this last party, I really wanted to bring the pressure down a little bit, and one way to do that was to really make it as low-key as possible. Not worry about getting dressed up, keeping it easy. So we did it in the garage and the driveway. Originally, it was just gonna be in the driveway, but one day, I drove home with my favorite song playing in the car. And it was loud, and I was singing to it. I drove into the garage, and once I got home, I didn't want to shut the music off. So I thought, I have to get the mail. I'll keep the door open to the car. I'll play the music. I'll get the mail and listen to my song. And as I was getting the mail, I realized, oh my god, the acoustics in the garage are amazing. <laughs> so this is when 
the idea for the dance party came to be. <laughs> now, when all of those things come together, one of the beautiful things that happens are little surprises. And I will tell you about a couple of them. But my first one is about my friend Dale, who we invited to the party. And Dale is like a cafe master. He is a connector. He is a fun guy. I mean, like, you met him. He's crazy. So he said to me early on in the party, I happen to have a speaker and some lights in my car. How would you feel if I took them out and set them up? I was like, really? My dream has come true. Yes, go for it. So that was a beautiful little surprise that happened. Now, parties for me are often filled with great joy. And I hope that other people feel that too. But because of the pressure that I sometimes put on myself, it doesn't always go that way. But this party was a little bit different. And one of the great things that came out of that party was this amazing dance-off that I had with a three-year-old. And I did not expect that. And the other thing that happened was that I think that my embracing this new energy or this new idea around setting different expectations for enjoying time with the people that I love rubbed off on everyone else. So at the end of the night, when everyone left, we could close the garage and know that we would clean it the next day. But we could finish the day and feel like, wow, wasn't that great? And I didn't worry about all of the things that I normally worry about because I minimized them. I looked at what was most important to me and to the reason why we were bringing everyone together. So the beauty of it all was that it, it wasn't just that I was going to have a good time, but it was that everyone was having a good time. Like there was this incredible energy that was created. And it was all because of the approach. And you know, I feel like once you kind of recognize what your passion is and in the meantime also know the pitfalls of it, there is a way to minimize those pitfalls when you focus on what is most important to you. And I learned so much just from this one party. Crazy. But we're doing it again in the spring, and you're all invited. Thank you. I'm back with Sandra Costello for this, the follow-up after her speech, which she delivered about a week and a half ago. And I'm um, going to find out what she thought about it. So, Sandra, welcome back. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. What did you think of your speech? I felt really good about it. And I think part of that was because I had a guide to lead me through the process of writing it. And I got to talk about two things that I really love, people and parties. <laughs> Say that fast three times in a row. <laughs> People parties, people parties. So was there anything you would do differently now? Um, you know what? One of, the, one of the pieces of feedback that I got from my speech was starting it off in a way that was um, really being myself. And I think oftentimes when I create speeches, I want to have a really punchy beginning or I think it has to connect with whatever the theme is. And... I would probably change the beginning and start off with a story. 
as opposed to saying people are my passion. Like, I don't think I need to say that. I don't think I need to be that obvious. I can start with a story that gives people an idea of what I'm getting at, and that will really lead them to the next part of my speech. Mm-hmm. What, if anything, did you learn about yourself as a result of giving this speech? Well, I realized that even though I love spending lots of time with people and I enjoy parties, there's another part of me that gets really anxious. And I think that happens with most people when you give a party. Like you hope people have a good time. Well, first you hope they come and then you hope they have a good time. And for me, being a perfectionist, like I'm trying to make sure that all the pieces that come together are perfect. And when I said to myself, okay, we're going to keep it really easy. We're going to do it in the garage and the driveway. You're going to wear jeans and a t-shirt. Like all the things that might stress me out, I really minimize those things so that I could really enjoy the people piece. And guess what? I did. It was great. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like you did. I mean, being there and then hearing the speech too. Um, are you glad you signed up to have your speech recorded? Did you learn anything by doing that? Yes, I am always willing to let my speech be recorded. It does not freak me out because I think in order to get better at being a public speaker, I need to hear myself. I need to see myself so I can make changes in the future. And while I have a background of perfectionism, there is something about this process of exploring when I'm giving a speech And so to have that feedback, which is seeing or hearing myself, I can take all of that information and bring it to my next speech to make it more personable or to make it a little more organized, bring props in, like whatever it is that I think could bring me further along as a speaker, I get, I get to see, um, that progress by being recorded And what about the element of sharing it with others versus just recording it for yourself? So when you say sharing it with others, like on your podcast, (laughs) um, that for me is a real thrill because, um, well, people are my passion and the idea of connecting with more people through your podcast excites me. It, you know, I think if, (laughs) if there was a big goof up, in my speech, maybe I would feel differently. Or maybe, maybe I would be willing to say like, well, this is just how this one went. And the next one will be different. And maybe you'll hear me again and see my progress. Yeah. I think it's cool to show that too, that you don't have to show up perfect. Like That's just part of the process. Yes. Is there anything you'd say to women who are on the fence about giving speeches or exploring this, like finding their voice or joining the speaker sisterhood? I think most of us don't want to do the things that scare us. And that is just a fact of life. But what I think we forget about is that when we do the things that we don't like to do or scare us, there is an exhilarating end. I remember uh, a couple of weeks ago or uh, more than that, I decided that I was going to go live on Facebook and record my speech. I could barely push the button to get that to happen. But when it happened and we did it, afterwards, at the end, I felt, 
I felt so light and so energized. And I just felt like I'm doing this. I'm learning. I'm getting it. I'm becoming a a speaker that people really want to be engaged with. And how has it changed in, in yourself, like the way that you feel about yourself when you're talking and when you're presenting your speeches? Do you feel more confident or... I think I'm a little different than some other folks who are wanting to put themselves out there. I <laughs> I get pretty excited about this idea of speaking in front of a group. Not always. I mean, there are times when I have to pick myself up up off the ground because I'm nervous and and that's okay. I realize that's part of my process. Um but the thing that I have learned is Every time I do this, I get better. And every time I do this, I can experiment. So the last time, maybe I'll use a visual aid, but the next time I won't. Instead, I will do um, a little theatrical moment to get people engaged. Like It's a time for me to experiment, to see what works with the crowd and what feels good in my body. And I think that that confidence building has creeped into my business, which has been amazing because I'm not just growing as a public speaker, but I'm growing in all, all the other parts of my life too. Did you expect that? No, no, I, I, I'm not really sure what I expected. I just knew that I had a craving to become a better speaker, to share stories, to engage with crowds and There are so many additional benefits that have come from this that you can't know about until you do it. So when you asked me, you know, for other women who are thinking about this but aren't doing it or are close to doing it, don't wait any longer because you are missing out on the excitement of yourself. Like you are learning you will learn so much about yourself that you cannot anticipate now until you get this party started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Back to your passion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to add? Oh, I, I think there are a lot of things I'd like to add. <laughs> um, we're so often afraid to really express ourselves because of judgment. And this makes me a little emotional, even just talking about it, because I I think that we hold back on so many ideas and projects and things that we want to say to people that are meaningful to us. But when we allow ourselves to do that, magic happens. It does every single time. And I think that we can't wait anymore. We have to we have to just do it. And that is a gift to ourselves as much as it is a gift to the people that we connect with. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. We're doing a PS. <laughs> we continue talking after the interview and we have more to say. So continue. Well, I I didn't expect to be crying a little bit during this interview <laughs> because like people and parties always make me smile. But I think that, um, you know, the, the reason for me anyways, why this group and this experience is so meaningful is because it brings me closer 
to the person that I'm meant to be. And I really feel like the work that I'm doing in this lifetime is all about that. And each time I step in front of a group, whether it's 10 people or 100 people, I get that experience of connection. And that connection reflects back and it gives me a chance to get to know myself better. And I feel like we are only in this life once. And you got to go for it. You got to go for it, even when the things that are the hardest stand in your way. And sometimes those things are yourself. But this group gives you, it gives you the chance and it gives you the power and the freedom to connect with what is most important. And even though my speech is just about parties, it's not. It's not just about parties. It is so much more than that. And I, I really savor every time I get a chance to come closer to becoming who I'm meant to be. And I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. And it's really special to be able to witness that, you know, in women that you see every other week for a year or two years and watch that evolution takes place, not only for yourself, but like, yeah, just in everyone that's, that's doing it. It's just so incredible to do that kind of really, really powerful transformational work with other women. And, and that's the thing. I mean, Public speaking is not just about standing in front of a group and saying words. It is about working from your heart, saying what you believe in, helping people to understand um, what's good. I mean, there are so many reasons for why, why, why we're meant to um, share our voice. Yeah. And I feel very grateful for this group coming into my life because... It has made me um, so much happier, so much braver, and I really feel like I am living my life with so much more intention, and that feels incredible. I love it. I don't know if you know, but you're the second member ever to join the Speaker Sisterhood. Is that right? High five. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks so much for coming on the show and coming back for Crack the Mic number two for the P.S. (laughs) Because you, you definitely, you you embody everything we're trying to do. And the reason that we we work on this day in and day out every day. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, for thank, that. thank you. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really thrilled to be a part of this movement. Thanks. Our next speech is by Beth Ann Jadziniak. Beth Ann recorded this speech outside of a club meeting and I wasn't able to do the pre-interview with her. So you will get to hear from her after the speech and she will share some of the reasons why she decided on this topic, what she learned about it and advice she has for other women who are interested in finding their voice. Enjoy. John O'Donohue wrote, once the soul awakens, the search begins and you can never go back. From then on, you are inflamed with a special longing that will never again let you linger in the lowlands of complacency and partial fulfillment. You are loath to let anything hold you back from striving toward the summit of fulfillment. 
When my sister was a teenager, my mother told her, if a man ever tells you that he has a hard on, slap his face and get away from him as quickly as possible. That sentence was the sum total of my sister's sex education. And it was more education or instruction than I ever received. As with much in life, I was on my own to figure it out. I'll start by saying that it ends well, and I have reached, as John O'Donohue said, the summit of fulfillment many times. But before the summit, there were valleys of despair, and for most of my life, a hatred of my body, no matter what the size, and confusion about how it all worked. Many years ago, I wrote this in my journal. Ownership of my body is a concept that is completely foreign. I was taught long before I was school age that someone else was in control. And I watched as my body obeyed their commands and then listened as my mind testified against me. Back then, this was the battle I was fighting each day. My mind testifying against me at every turn. But that story is for another day. So, what did Jimmy Carter, a Baptist minister, and a trans woman all have in common? They all knew more about the vagina than I did. Let me explain. It all began in 2008 when I explored my body and discovered my clitoris for the first time. I felt like Ponce de Leon, though I can't remember what he discovered, but I'm sure it wasn't nearly as fun as what I discovered that day. <laughs> Now, I'm not saying that my husband hadn't found it previously. I'm just saying that I had never looked for and found it on my own. When my husband came home from work and I told him what I had discovered, he was not particularly impressed. And he was more than a bit concerned. Here I was so proud of my discovery, only to be made to feel ashamed for having had the encounter. So I did what I always did back then when I had a problem. I made an appointment with a Baptist minister. I explained my situation to him. He told me, read the Bible more, guard your mind, don't allow fantasies, and confess any unclean thoughts to your husband. And so I did. After that, I decided that my clitoris was best left to the experts my husband, my doctor, and my Baptist minister. Given the choice, I would have gotten rid of the whole damn thing altogether. And I'm not even kidding. I seriously thought that life would be easier without this crazy little thing causing me so much conflict. I didn't understand how it all worked, but my now awakened creative mind didn't really want to, as John O'Donohue said, linger in the lowlands of complacency and partial fulfillment. So I was in this sort of cycle of thought and repentance and pleasure and pain. It was exhausting. Plus I worked full time and had to get supper on the table each night. <laughs> Fast forward to the week of August 9th, 2015. That was the week that former president Jimmy Carter got me thinking about my vagina again. <laughs> Weird, right? I listened to his speech on human rights and the abuse of women. 
he talked about the horrendous practice of forced mutilation of young girls' genitalia. Up until his speech, this was something I thought I wanted for my own body, to cut myself off from the pleasure-pain cycle. I hated those parts of myself and the struggle that ensued each time I came in contact with them. President Carter's words convicted me. Yes, I was in emotional pain, but it is only because I am free and have choices that I can vent the ridiculous. What these women faced was an atrocity, and for me to wish this on my own body was callous. Around the same time, I joined a new church. It's weird how my church and my vagina always seem to go hand in hand. <laughs> so Southern Baptist was in the past and Unitarian Universalist became my home. There I joined small group ministry and became friends with a trans woman. This woman was in the beginning of her transformation and I was fortunate enough to be able to bear witness as she became the woman she was meant to be. As she explained her upcoming procedures, I realized how uneducated I was about the female body. She patiently answered my questions and made me realize what a gift it is to be born with this body. And then I began to think, how is it that everyone in my life knows more about my vagina than I do? So I decided to go on a vajourney. <laughs> <laughs> vowing to explore and discover how this body works. For the last two years, I have been learning about my vagina. I have even looked at it, you know, with a handheld mirror in a locked room with all the shades pulled. And I have taken a course called Clitoracy 101 and purchased the first season of OMG Yes, which is an online tutorial which helps women better understand the vagina and even maps out different approaches for reaching the summit. And it comes with an interactive app that works with a touch screen and teaches verbal cues that you can use with your partner. Yes, there is an app for that. Last year, when I went in for my annual checkup, I told my gynecologist all about the clitoris, starting with that it is the only body part that exists solely for pleasure. I told him that it has 8,000 nerve endings and can be up to nine centimeters long, though much of it is unseen. And that it swells when excited, just like a penis, which by the way, has only 4,000 nerve endings. And that some people even refer to the clitoris as the female penis, though I don't really like that terminology. I prefer to call the penis the man clit. <laughs> what I have discovered in the last two years is that the female body is amazing and strong and made for pleasure with or without a partner. In addition, I have learned that my thoughts are creative and totally freaking normal. When I could finally accept that fact, my mind relaxed, my body relaxed, and as John O'Donohue said, I have been inflamed with a special longing ever since. Thank you. So Beth Ann, 
You came to the Speaker Sisterhood Craft Night like two or three weeks ago, and you blew us all away when you said, oh, I'll read my speech that I gave in my club last week. <laughs> and we had no idea what we were in for. And we had this moment where we all looked around and said, is this really happening? And then I was really excited when you said that you would be open to recording your speech on the podcast because it's such a special, well-written, speaking to every woman's most inner being um, kind of speech that I thought this needs to be heard by more people. So thank you, first of all, for allowing us to have it on the show. Well, thank you for those kind words. Yeah. Um, what made you write the speech? Well, it really has been of a journey that I've been on. <laughs> yeah. And um, when I guess I was, I came home from the club meeting and they said, okay, you're going to speak in two weeks. And I did my initial panic and then thought, oh, I'm just going to reference the book and I'm going to write, okay, so it's a speech about something I love. And so I kind of went down the list of things I love and I was like, oh, poetry and words. I love words and I love writing and I love reading and I love my kids. So not in that order. <laughs> and, and then I just thought, oh, I love my clitoris. And I sat down and wrote the speech. <laughs> Did it ever cross your mind not to give the speech? Many times, <laughs> um, including even the night when I got to the club meeting. And I just wasn't sure how it was going to be received. And it is very personal. And I, yeah, I was panicked about it and wondering, you know, and I, I was also thinking, should I have an alternate speech? And I thought, no, I'm not going to do that because then I'm going to give myself an out and... It's not about having an out. It's about speaking. Yeah. It's speaking up and speaking my truth. And so I didn't give myself the out. So was that what ultimately pushed you to give the speech? Or was there something else that inspired you to actually go through with it? Um, I actually didn't just go through with it. I said I wanted to go first. <laughs> <laughs> That's always good, actually. Yeah, because I can't really listen to anybody else until cause I'm... My, I'm thinking in my own head and I'm talking with my hands and I know people can't see me, but uh, you know, like I have a million things going on in my head. So I wanted to get it out so that I could hear everybody else's speech and enjoy them. And, um, I just, when I walked in, even though I was having those initial feelings, looking around the room and seeing that it really is a, a sisterhood and you feel safe and held in that space and so I just trusted that. I trusted that that was real and that the, the mythology that was playing in my head was just that it was myth. Mm. And it was a myth that was created long ago that still plays. But what I was trying to do was keep my eyes open to what was real in that room. How did it feel while you were delivering the speech? Oh... Nerve-wracking. I mean, it's always to, to speak and to stand up and speak is, is nerve-wracking. Um, but I, I felt like everybody was along for the ride. And I always, always, my third speech. <laughs> I always, you know. Uh, I, I like, I said, you know, it ends well. And I like to start with saying that something ends well because that way when you're taking somebody on that journey with you, they don't have to Worry. hold their breath <laughs> Yeah, because it, it's going to end well and you can kind of 
relax into that. And so when somebody else is relaxing into that or, or responding in the way it kind of made me respond to write it, it feels, it feels nice mm-hmm. um, and nerve wracking and scary and wonderful. <laughs> There's something really bonding about giving the kind of speech that you gave because it's, it's a universal topic that isn't talked about very often, especially the way you talked about it. Did you feel closer to your club after you delivered that speech? Yes, I did. And I, yeah, and they and people responded with this is a message that they needed to hear, or that I I have somebody else that need would need to hear this, and that's a great response to hear that it's it is universal, and we're we're just women are so much more alike than we are different, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think when we remember that, it it feels the world doesn't feel so big and scary. Mm-hmm. So you've delivered this speech now four or five times, maybe more. Oh, probably about that. Yeah. Has it changed for you over each reading of it or? Oh, the nervousness. I don't think so. If that's what you're referring to, I still get as nervous. I still a little bit worry about what the reaction is going to be, if people are going to be okay with it, especially in, in, yeah, I sometimes still think that through in my head. And, but I do think now that I'm answering that question, that the mythology is maybe getting a little quieter Mm -hmm. in the head, or I'm getting better at just saying, shh, just Okay, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> just watch this for a minute and let's see how this plays out. Yeah. Played out okay this last time. So let's just just wait a second. And then I'll give you voice and you can have then you can have the microphone and I'll listen to what you have to say. But for right now, let me have the microphone and and take the lead. That's very badass of you. <laughs> Do you think you're badass? I am on my way to badass. I have more badass moments. I just want to be the first to say that the second you started delivering that speech, you became a badass. <laughs> you, you've arrived. You're there. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, you can, you can wave that badass flag. All right. Why do you think it's important for women to hear this speech? I didn't know when I wrote it, I was really just telling my story. I don't think I realized it was important. It was important for me just to not have it in here and to kind of put it out there. And when you, when you take something out of your own head or off of the page, it becomes less cumbersome. I don't think I, I realized it until I said it to someone and they said, oh my gosh, other people need to hear that. And I was like, oh, really? Wow, I guess I'm not alone in this. Yeah. And... And that's kind of been the reaction. Did you come up with the word for journey? Well, <laughs> funny story. I thought I did. I Because when I was writing, it just kind of came out on the page. <laughs> but then I Googled it like a couple weeks later, and it's in the Urban Dictionary. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Well, I wish I could say, but I, it. yeah, yeah, I think, oh, I think so. So if there are women who are listening right now thinking, could I do this public speaking thing? Can I write speeches? What would you tell them? Yes. <laughs> Embrace the badass in yourself <laughs> and you can do it. What if they don't think it's there? It is there. 
It is there. That's just that voice in your head. That's a mythology that you've been told, that you've believed. Um, we all have something to say. And the this club is such a safe space to find your voice. So we all can do it. What does it feel like now that you're a badass? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it feels amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Has anything changed for you? Yes, things are changing. Even little things. Um, I belong to a, a a group that meets once a month. And the first year I was in that group, I talked to the floor every time. I, I just talked to the floor. I, I didn't look up. And um, I met with them a couple weeks ago, and the woman who, who runs the meeting said, holy crap, who are you? You're looking around the room and it's, you know, it's a group. It's a, a group within our the Unitarian society. And it's, she noticed a change and I had been with her that first year and then been with another group. And then I'm back at her house and she noticed the change and, and I feel the change that I can look around and be in the moment and be with the people that I'm with, which is such a gift. Do you have any vision um, about where you're going to be a year from now? Oh, I, I'm not sure, <laughs> but I'm open to anything and that's new. Oh. I'm sure I'll be doing something badass. <laughs> I just, I'm not sure what it is. I love that you just totally embodied being a badass in the last five minutes. Absolutely. Perfect. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your amazing speech with more women. I'm sure I'll be getting lots of messages about this, which I'll share with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Surprised? crying happy my five-part series behind the scenes of the speaker sisterhood i hope you enjoyed it if you did please leave a comment or a rating on itunes so more people can find the show if you're loving what you're hearing you're getting a lot of value from it if you're feeling inspired by it we'd love to hear from you it takes about two minutes so that's it for me we will be back with regular episodes in, in uh, next week and I look forward to bringing you more of the love. So in the meantime, don't forget, stop waiting, start creating. I'll see you next time.